pivotal that you shake it. And now it is pivotal that you put it on the floor. And I mean that, like, really. Like, do put them on the floor, because seriously, like, one Sunday, the first time, it was our first year that we had launched, and there was no air conditioning in here, and it was like 125 degrees. And everybody's, the worship team, they had wet shirts because they were sweating so much. So we finally raised the garage door behind the screen so that we could have some airflow, and bees were flying around me, and I was trying to preach, and, and you know, I do have some massive ADD. So like if I hear the noisemakers, I will never, ever stay focused. And remember, I'm a little bit out of practice. So I know you'd like to actually leave with some meat today, uh, feeling like you came for a purpose. Now, the reason that we did the shake it noisemakers is because we all experience earthquakes in our lives. We all have things happen to us that, that shake us to the very core of our beings. Now, there are two different ways of looking at that. There are things that have happened to us corporately as a society, and then there are personal things. Take a look at these two things. Uh, the first one, 2008. Clap if you remember what happened around September 2008. Clap if you were impacted by the stock market crash in 2008. I had the privilege of being the associate pastor at Williamson's Chapel when that happened. And so many of the folks that were a part of that faith community were just losing their jobs, losing their houses, uh, losing their cars in over their heads with debt that they could no longer make the payments on. Retirement funds were just slashed in half. And uh, people had to relocate and, and move away to find different jobs. And, and it was just, it was such a tragic and sad time in, in our, many of our existences. So that was a massive earthquake kind of moment. Not a, not a literal earthquake, but a metaphorical, a figurative earthquake that happened in our lives that, that changed things for so many. Another one that impacted us as a society. Clap if you remember where you were on 9-11 when you found out. And I believe in that whole seven degrees of separation, probably, you know, some at some point between us and seven people, we all know someone that was impacted by that tragedy. You know, over 2,000 people were killed that day. And can you imagine the tens of thousands of people's lives that were, were changed by that tragedy and, and by that act of, of evil? That's all it was, was just sheer mortal human evil it was an earthquake kind of moment. We all have those earthquake kind of moments in our lives too. Times that we remember exactly where we were when the phone rang that said, hey, I need you to come to my office later this afternoon. Uh, we need to talk about your job. And then you go into your boss's office and you hear the words, you know, we, we're going in a different direction or funds are an issue. And so our lives change because the way that we've earned our well-being is no longer going to be the same. That's an earthquake kind of moment. 
Another earthquake kind of moment is when we hear the words of the doctor say, well, your test seems inconclusive. We need to run some additional tests or, you know, we need to share with you the news that you've been diagnosed with. And, you know, there's a whole number of diseases. Cancer's one, but there's a whole number of things that can happen in our lives that change us, that scare us that make the ground underneath our feet feel uncertain and unsteady. Or maybe when a spouse or a significant other or a partner says, this just isn't doing it for me anymore. I've fallen in love with someone else. We need to end our relationship. Those are all earthquake moments. Perhaps you are in an earthquake moment today. Maybe you've just lived through one. Or maybe life is all good, but let me just remind us gently that the ground never really always stays the same. At some point in the future, we're going to encounter some earthquake moments And I believe the story of the resurrection, whether you believe it literally or figuratively or metaphorically or whether you don't believe it at all, it still has some life-teaching moments. Some things happened that day, I believe, that show us how we can handle the things in life that cause us to be the most unsteady. Usually in Lent leading up to Easter, you know, we talk about the life of Jesus and all that kind of stuff. We are going to be looking at different stories in our faith, but we're going to start at the tomb today. We're not going to wait till Easter, the one time, the one and done, that we can look at that story. We're going to actually look at it from the Gospel of Matthew today. Matthew tells the story very differently. Actually, all four Gospels tell the story very differently, and that makes some people question its validity. But we know that if you and I were to sit down and observe something and then tell the story 30, 40 years later, we tell it differently too. So this morning, we're going to hear this story from the perspective of Matthew, and and there's an earthquake moment, and it changes everything. And I'm going to push us to see what do the earthquake moments in our lives change about us? What do our earthquakes cause us to do? And maybe if they've caused us to do some things that are not conducive to living a life that's full of love and hope and joy and peace, that maybe we can revisit those moments this morning and maybe change our trajectory. Because you see, we all have one. We're doing life, we're doing it, and we're happy, and we just go along this path. And then, bam, something happens, and it it shakes us up. Where are you this morning in your trajectory? Where are you going? And are you going saddled and heavy with earthquakes that have happened in your past or are happening right now? So let's look at the Gospel of Matthew. It's after Jesus had been crucified. This is from chapter 27 and 28. Late in the afternoon, a wealthy man from Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus... He arrived. His name was Joseph. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate granted his request. Joseph took the body, 
wrapped it in clean linens, put it in his own tomb, a new tomb, only recently cut into the rock. And he rolled a large stone across the entrance. And then he went off. But Mary Magdalene and the other Mary stayed, sitting in plain view of the tomb. That's where I want us to stop for just a second before we read more. And on Easter, I'm saving the surprise from Easter, a picture from the Holy Land with the tomb and the powerful image of what that looks like. But this morning, I want you just to picture in your mind like some stone and an an entrance cut into it. And then like this big boulder or rock blocking the way. Now in that tomb... I want you to picture your hopes and your dreams. Let's, let's take it away from the literal meaning of Jesus for just a minute. What is it in your life that you want so much? Peace, good health, great relationships, financial stability. What is it that keeps the earth steady under your feet? And then I want us to think for just a second about what it feels like when when that isn't there anymore. And that's what I want you to put in the tomb. The the idea of whatever it is that's going to give you stability and hope in this life. And put put it in the tomb. Roll the stone away. And then imagine what you would feel like if it were being jerked away from you. That's how Mary and Mary felt that day when they were sitting there at the tomb with this giant stone rolled in front of the entrance where their savior was, their best friend, their mentor, their guide, the one who had changed everything for them, one of the deep, deep loves of their life, if not the love of their life, was in the tomb behind the stone. And Matthew says they just sat and looked at it. So many times in our lives, I think when our life gets turned upside down, we don't know what to do. We're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of the muck. And it feels a little bit like quicksand. Like every time we move, it just sucks us in more. And we don't know. We don't know what to do. And so we just sit there. And we look at the tomb. But Matthew goes on to say, after the Sabbath, as the first light of the new week dawned, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to keep vigil at the tomb. Suddenly, the earth reeled and rocked under their feet as God's angel came down from heaven and came right up to where they were standing He rolled back the stone and then sat on it. Shafts of lightning blazed from him. His garment shimmered snow white. The guards at the tomb were scared to death. And they were so frightened they couldn't move. God shatters in this moment. God shatters the predictable pattern of death. They had no expectation 
of an earthquake moving things that day. They had no expectation of an angel, which means messenger from God, coming into their midst and saying, hey, guess what? It's all a little different than what you think right now. They had no expectation of that. God shatters the predictable pattern of death. And that's one of the things we need to walk away with today. That regardless of where we are experiencing death in our lives, death of our hopes and death of our dreams, God can, if we will allow God, God can shatter that predictable pattern of death. We just have to be willing to see. So the angel comes and the angel rolls away the tomb and the angel sits up on top of the stone. I think that's sort of like a, see, I'm going to show you kind of moment. I mean, I just think that's a powerful image that the angel not, you know, stands at the door and beckons them in and says, come see. The angel plops down and sits there and says, look, guess what? The pain that you're feeling right now, there is hope. There is joy, there is power, because he isn't here. And then if you go on to read in Matthew, he says, now, I want you to go. You are going to get to encounter Jesus. And again, all the gospel writers say it a little differently. But in Matthew's gospel, the women at the tomb, they don't get to encounter the resurrection right then. Listen to what happens. They have to go back to the place that they had been with him before. They had to go back. To that place where I imagine was packed with sadness. I've shared with you over the last several years about, about my father and, and the, the just crazy stuff that was happening in his life, being wooed by those con artists that, you know, convinced him he'd won multiple millions of dollars and, and his defiance against me as I had to start making parental decisions on his behalf, uh, for in his best interest and, and just this power struggle that we'd had and, and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you, you know, there's, a, there's a difference between what you have and, you know, even the, the anger, the animosity, or the, the frustration, or whatever emotions were going back and forth between he and I over the last four years, there is a difference between that and the finality of death. Huh. And you would think that as a pastor, I might know that. And hello, I've lived through multiple deaths of, you know, two, two mom figures in my life. I mean, lots of people. I know that. But I felt it in a different way this time. Death changes things. It levels everything. Because there's no new chance. There's no new opportunity. And guess what? At some point in our lives, we are all going to face death. Not just of a loved one, but of our dreams. Things aren't going to work out the way that we want them to relationships, our health, our jobs, our future. It's going to be shaken and it's going to be changed and we're going to find ourselves sitting on the other side of the tomb waiting for an angel to plop his or herself down and say, guess what? It doesn't win. But what we have to be willing to do is we have to be willing to go back to the places where we experience the pain and we have to find a new way out of that pain so that we can experience the power and the joy of the resurrection. Nobody wants to go back to where the pain is the biggest. The last thing I wanted to do when my dad died was go to his house and get him some clothes 
to wear in the casket. That was not on my top 10 list of things I wanted to do on that Wednesday. I had no choice. I had already delegated every task possible to Scott Smith, who so uh, gallantly did everything I asked or needed. Uh, But I just, you know, I didn't want to go back there. We have to go back. Because it's only in those past places that we can wrestle with and then redefine our pain and our sadness and our grief. That's what happened to Mary and Mary. The angel said, listen, I want you to go back and there you're going to encounter Jesus. And they did. In the dustiness of that road and that path of the chaos and the pain and the hurt... That's where they encountered the resurrected God. Their resurrected God. What past do you need to wrestle with today? What sadness, what grief, what uncertainty, what fear do we need to wrestle with so that God can intervene And God can roll away the stone and we can hear that voice and that power and that presence and that peace that comes from God saying, hey, guess what? Death isn't the answer. Life is. Let me show you the way. God always does. God always shows us the way. Sometimes we just have to sit in the middle of the pain and the disappointment and the grief and the hurt for a little longer than we want to, to truly experience the birth of new life. I want to show you a picture uh, of... I shared this on Ash Wednesday night, so if you were there on Ash Wednesday, I apologize for using it again, but so many said it was such a powerful illustration. I wanted to close with this today. This is the chapel, and I think it's ironic that this is the name of the chapel, and it's the passage that I had picked out to read this morning. It's the chapel of Joseph of Arimathea. It's at the Washington National Cathedral when I finally graduated with my doctorate a few years ago. Down here was where they gathered all the students, the doctoral students, for the processional inn. And, and it's like you're walking into a tomb because it's deep, deep, deep in the recesses, in the basement of the National Cathedral. And you walk down 12 steps and you're just down there and it's eerily quiet. And if you look around, you see, like, see this column? And see this column? They're huge, huge columns. Now I want to show you another picture. Do you see this? Column, steeple, pillar, whatever you want to call it, in the back. And do you see the scaffolding on the top where they're working on the buttresses? Those columns I showed you just now are the corners for that pillar. It's one of the tallest structures in D.C., And when the earthquake happened in 2011, it did over $30 million worth of damage just to the one pillar. And they've been working on fixing it ever since. 
the buttresses that day. They fell off from the pillar and it was a frightening time to be there. But will y'all go back to the first picture? The foundation never changed. Even though a literal earthquake did millions of dollars of damage to the structure, the outer structure. The foundation never changed. When we have our foundation in the hope and the promise that comes with knowing that God's got this, And that no matter how big the stone is that blocks the entrance, there are powers beyond powers that we can understand that will move away that stone. And we will have the opportunity to experience the joy and the love and the peace that comes from within It's that glory that we talked about from Romans that will be revealed in us. It lives in each of us. We just have to be like Mary and Mary and willing to see it and willing to visit the dark places and confront them so that we can claim it. Over the next six weeks, will you journey with me to the tomb? And can we confront the earthquakes in our lives? that change things and may we breathe new life into old pain let us pray gracious God thank you for being a resurrecting God thank you for breathing new life into our hurt and our pain and the things that weigh us down God we offer ourselves to you this morning whatever pain and hurt we carry from our own tombs May we experience the power of an earthquake and may we experience the beauty of the life that you give to each of us knowing that death is not the answer and the worst things are never the last things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So confirmation will meet in the band room today. So if you have a young person that's going to be going through that, I look forward to spending the next six weeks with them and exploring faith. Also, if you're newer to West or you're new to West, we have a gift for you at the very important person's tent that is located out front. We will not inundate you with uh, propaganda, but we will send a welcome email and just thank you for being here with us. When Paul wrote the church in Corinth that he had the opportunity to help give birth to, he said, listen, if you'll just just listen, in Christ, who loves all people, we can experience new life, new birth. In him, all things are new. Today, may we leave and know that today is not just another day. Today's a new day. And may we experience the power and the beauty that comes from the life in the earthquake of the resurrection. Go in peace. Amen.